Episode number 29 of the Media Narrative Podcast, the show about media makers, story, and process. I'm Rob Hoschild. Hello, everyone. I am really excited about presenting this one to you. Uh, Of course, I'm excited about all of the episodes, but in this case, I'm bringing in an old friend, photographer Liz Linder, great person, great friend, great artist. I've known her for more than 25 years. I mean, we have hung out with each other's moms, so we go back a ways. We knew each other in our 20s and encouraged each other through the kind of chaos so many of us experience in our 20s. So I watched her grow her photography business while she continued to develop and exhibit a range of really interesting and beautiful personal projects. One that focused on family, photos of her grandmother and her mother, another that was a collaboration with a dancer. Um, And then there was another series called God Bless America that focused on these big outdoor signs that you see at restaurants and other businesses really interesting commentary on America after the 9-11 attacks. Now, her business is quite active, extensive, successful, a client list that includes broadcast giants like NPR and MTV, record labels like CBS Records, Rounder, Sugar Hill Records, Warner Brothers. Uh, She shot for publications like Fast Company, Forbes, Rolling Stone, New York Times, Wired, Boston Globe. Uh, companies like Louis Vuitton, Harmonix, 20th Century Fox, uh, Higher Ed, Harvard, MIT, Berkeley College of Music. So really a lot of work in, in the corporate sector. She's done a lot, of, a lot of work for hire and a lot of these personal projects. And one of the strains that connects all of it is an incredible ability to capture a person's essence through her portrait photography. So it was really fun just to sit down and talk about all of this for a while. Um, While she and I are talking, by the way, please go to her website, lizlinder.com, and look at the photographs. Pretty much everything we talk about, uh, you can see examples of on the website. So we met up at her studio, and here's some of what came up in the conversation. Liz talked about the challenges and opportunities in the transition from analog to digital. She talked about how she works to connect with the subjects of her portrait photography. She also talked about her approach to telling stories through still images. That and a whole lot more. I hope you enjoy this conversation with Liz Linder. Liz Linder, thank you so much for being on the show. Thanks, Rob. We are here in your studio in Brookline, Massachusetts. And this is a beautiful place, by the way. Two-floor studio. How long have you been here? I've been here almost 10 years so it, Which it seems crazy. That is crazy. I remember when you moved in here, by the way, everyone who's listening right now, Liz and I have known each other for quite a long time. Going back to the early 90s, it was a shoot for Rolling Stone at Berkeley, I believe. Yes. Yes. So what I was going to say to everybody in the studio, you may hear a train go by from time to time, a little, what, quiet rattling off in the distance kind of a thing. Something like that. I'm, I don't even hear it anymore, but there is a train that goes right by the building. So if you hear that, you know, get excited. It's part of what makes podcasting cool. You yes, know, little this is real life. So we have been friends for a long time, and I've been a big fan of your work for a long time, both the work that you did when we hired you at Berkeley and your other work for hire and your art photography, um, whatever the proper term is for it. So it's been really fun just l- being on your website the past few days and looking at a lot of this work and just reminding myself what a talent you are. So I'm really excited to be here with you. Um, 
And, uh, you know, we've had a lot of great conversations over the years about art and life and this and that. And one thing I didn't know until I recently read this article, uh, an interview with you in, in a paper in the Boston area, how early you got started in photography. You got started as a very young kid. I wonder if you could talk about how your interest began and evolved in those early days. Well, I don't know, even know that I thought that it was an interest then. I just did it. I um, I love taking pictures. I got a Kodak Instamatic at camp and... I was, you know, crawling on the floor or the ground and looking up at buildings and finding unusual angles. And I found something very soothing about the act of taking pictures. So you were how old about? You know, under 10. Wow. So it's a few, you know, there were a few summers that occurred that I, you know, realized, oh my gosh, this is something I love. But I didn't think about it too much until uh, going to high school. I took photography and I, I really got into it pretty quickly and um, started, you know, getting a lot of attention for it and winning awards. And I cut, you know, every class I could to be in the dark room and <laughs> didn't do any extracurricular activities except photography, yearbook photography, portrait photography. I've been doing portraits since I was in my teens. Wow. So, so, it, so it, while you were in high school, it became this thing. It, it became the main thing for you. It was not. It was not just a fun little game it became serious and and people really sounds like clamored for you to do more of it it was in the 1980s and we had this thing called film (laughs) and not everybody had a camera in their pocket called a phone right and not everybody had access to um cameras that could make good pictures Mm -hmm. you had to actually you had to take drawing in order to learn composition and then you had to learn how to develop film in the darkroom and um, interpret things and think about images and talk about images. And um, so I was one of the few photographers. And also, there weren't a lot of women photographers then as I grew older. Right. So it was kind of exciting because it was like I was in this niche profession. Well, I didn't choose the profession at that point, but I was doing it professionally, but I was in this little bit of a niche. And, um, you know, I was sort of a little bit different than most of the people right. who were doing it, which was also kind of exciting. You know, and, and what you just brought up is something I really wanted to ask about right from the beginning. And it's something we have in common. I'm a little bit older than you, but I, I worked in radio in the age before digital, cutting tape, and uh, played with audio when I was a little kid. So what you just said about working with film, being in the studio, being in a dark room in a different way than a lot of photographers are working today is something I really relate to. So I wanted, I wanted to ask you, what this transition has been like going from those analog beginnings to the digital world we are so steeped in now. How, what have been the challenges of that? What, are there things that you miss? Um, are there things that you enjoy about this phase? It's interesting that you're asking that now because um, we just were cleaning out the studio and doing a bit of a pre-spring cleaning and finding a lot of early digital photography files mm-hmm. from cameras that were, you know, much more expensive then and much worse than your basic iPhone today. Right. And they were, you had to use those cameras because clients were clamoring for that immediacy. Yeah. And there's something beautiful about the immediacy because it takes some of the guesswork out, but then when you don't have the guesswork, you lose a little bit of the magic. Mm. So, um, I love digital because I I never was in I was such a black and white photographer. I just loved black and white. I did not enjoy color. And um learning to shoot in color and learning to see in color. I learned to see in color way later than most professional photographers did. So I, I fooled people in the beginning. Uh-huh. <laughs> and um I I love color now and I love working in color and as well as black and white and um 
I love the immediacy, but the the issue with um, digital that's tricky is that it would seem that you could just do almost anything in the world to an image before you deliver it or to mm. a body of work. So there's endless ways that you can interpret something, and you really have to set up firm rules and work with them if you want to have something called time in your life. Uh-huh, yeah. So, the, you know, the digital world, is it's a slippery kind of a thing. It's, like, magical, and it opens up worlds of possibility to so many people, and then, you know, a te- one technical problem can really, like, destroy your week. It's like <laughs> so. this, oh, yeah, because once you're, uh, if the initial material doesn't allow you to manipulate it in a way that you think is beneficial, then you're sort of stuck. Is that what you mean? Yeah, I like. I kind of like the idea of being stuck in yeah. reality, though. There's something about digital that's like, let your imagination run wild, right. and... There's something there to that, and I we definitely I work with that, and we work with that in my studio. But there's something about, you know, I like to think of myself as a reality-based person. Mm-hmm. So I'm not looking to head swap pick people if I don't have to. Uh-huh. You know, there's yeah. do you know there's a thing called head swapping and eye swapping. And um, that and, sounds like a thing I've heard about. What is that exactly? It's like this, it sounds it's violent, it sounds doesn't like. it? Yeah, it's, yeah, it's <laughs> a sort of you know you take a group picture of you know a bunch of people and you don't like the way one looks. Well, you swap a head out of another image. It's just Endless. There are endless things you could do. And I, I, I kind of, I remember fondly these days where, mm. you know, there was something a little bit more raw about the work. Right. But it felt like it had a little bit more energy in it. Some, you know, it's, yeah. it's possible to polish things too much. There is a paradox of choice when you could do almost anything. And it seems like you could do endless manipulating to aim for some perfection as opposed to having something that you know is really strong and works well enough. You know, you sometimes find yourself having to make those choices between perfect and good under those circumstances that might have been easier when you had fewer choices. Yes. I'm somebody who is always striving to do the best work that I can do. So, And also I do want to have time, you know, in my life to do other things. Be a human being. Be a human being. Well, also I run a business. So it's not just about the image per se. It's about everything that surrounds it, the context. And um, I find that, uh, you know, good good is good. Great is better. And perfect is like you might as well just stop because it doesn't feel alive anymore sometimes when mm. it's perfect. Um, so I'm, I'm striving to make great images and produce great bodies of work. And, and that means that there's a lot of time spent on the other end after I put the camera down, really like looking through things. And I tend to shoot a lot, picking the right image, you know, what image tells what story, you know, a slight like squint of an eye can change the entire expression. Mm. And the message, at least according to me, I get kind of intense about these things. <laughs> um, and I think, you know, sometimes I think, oh, let somebody else do it. But And I do have people who help me edit and work on, you know, I have post-production support. But um, there's something to be said for, you know, it, the process of iteration and really finding the great, like finding the pearls. You've mentioned your business, and um, there's the art work of yours, the, your personal projects, um, whole range of interesting and beautiful projects. You do commercial work, shooting for ads and websites, pieces for corporations and colleges, nonprofits. You've done event shooting, weddings. Um, I know you did a lot of that at one point in the past, maybe less so now, mm-hmm. I think. Um, a lot of photos of musicians, stuff you did at Berkeley and stuff you did in, in other places. So very versatile, lots of different kinds of work and situations, some of it for yourself, some of it for hire. What I'm wondering is how all 
those different areas, maybe content-wise in a sense, interact? Do they influence each other? Does the way you shoot when you're doing um, your, uh, your own sort of art photography have an impact on the way you've done corporate work, say, and vice versa? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I think of myself largely now as a portrait artist and um, and as someone who tells stories with a camera, with like vis- stories with, you know, series of visuals. And um, so I like to do, of any kind, commercially or personally, I like to do projects that have, um, a, you know, a frame around them and a... Um, and some concept, like an underlying concept, or, mm. you know, narrative underneath. Yeah. And so, you know, I think when I think of even a portrait, I do a portrait of an institution through a series of images. It's part of their branding. It becomes part of their website, um, part of their visual communications. And when I do my own work, I'm also looking for, like, continuity and a frame around a project. So it, otherwise, it's, like, hard to get it to see the light of day. Mm. And do you think one influenced the other at some point earlier on? Yeah, well, I started, so I was, you know, part of the question of like the, you know, childhood interest in photography to what I'm doing today. You know, I I, I kind of wanted to be a lawyer. I love, <laughs> I love law and interpreting. I love the, the, the degree of interpretation that you can do legally and like discussions, you know, like probably just discussions around what, you know, where to draw lines, basically. Mm. And so, um, I almost went to law school. Wow. And instead, I remember thinking, I I want to, I'm going to have to get out and find a job. And that was the scariest part. Like, the law school wasn't that scary, but the, the job finding was scary. And mm. I thought, well, I love photography. Maybe I should try to find a job in that. Uh-huh. And eventually, you know, and I did. So, here I am. I, and I've the whole time, I think, God, maybe I'll go to law school the next year or the year after. And that's... Right really a pipe dream at this point. So, so not holding on to but, that one anymore. No, but so um, so I started doing what I really loved to do, and then I started, in that I started pursuing what I loved to do, which was portraits, and yeah. like there would be no point in doing work that I didn't like so much mm. in photography unless I wanted to just get a job job that yeah. had no soul. So, so I think to answer your question, I've always... I've I've always done personal work even when it's commercial mm-hmm. and I my personal work has really influenced my commercial work and my commercial work influenced my personal work because I've learned I've 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 got you know so many more commissions than like bodies of personal work and I've mm-hmm. learned how to produce things and direct projects yeah. and edit for you know outside eyes let's say Right Yeah and you know when I look at your work, and I looked at a lot of it these past few days, I see these commonalities regardless of what sort of work you're doing. I mean, that's a, that's a bit of a generalization because some of your, your, the, your, your projects, your personal projects are so unique to themselves and so special in their own way. But say the portrait photography, like it's almost like I'm going to make a music metaphor, which sometimes makes my students crazy, but sometimes you'll hear a guitar player say in one context – Say it's country music, and, and like look like look at Duke Levine, who I interviewed recently. Like yeah. when Duke Levine plays with one kind of person, you can recognize his sound. He's he plays with somebody completely different, and you recognize his sound there. I think with your portrait photography, if I'm looking at corporate work or if I'm looking at um, 
say work for colleges or looking at pictures of artists, I, there's this certain energy that I see and I can't possibly describe it exactly, but you seem to have this ability to get to somebody's soul, you know, at, at, which I know is like a cliche in terms of photography, like you're stealing their, their soul. But I, I get this sense that there's a connection between the subject and the photographer. I'm wondering how you develop a relationship with your subjects uh, while you're shooting portraits, how you've developed that over time, because I've seen you do it. People have fun in a lot of these shoots. Um, and I'm also, I want to follow up by talking about the narrative piece, the story piece, but I wonder if you could talk about that a little bit, how you get people to say relax or be themselves when you're shooting them. Oh, thank, well, th first of all, thanks for saying, <laughs> thanks, thanks for framing it that way. I've, I have heard from people that I capture their essence or that, you know, that's what they're calling me for. Or I got their spirit and, you know, yeah. you, the personality really shines through. And I, by um, the way, I want people while they're listening to this podcast to go to your website, which is lizlinder.com. L-I-Z-L-I-N-D-E-R.com. And there's a billion pictures there so it will really help while you're listening to this to go to them and look at them sorry for interrupting it's okay um, there's really not a billion but there's a part of a billion pictures part there. of a billion there's, this website has a lot of work on it you know i went yeah. from a very austere site where i heard you know I, I think i might be a person of extremes because i heard you need to show more work so all mm. right well here you go yeah <laughs> you know enjoy in, in the oversaturated world just look at more yeah. Billions of pictures. Yeah. <laughs> so. Or part of a billion. Yeah. So anyway, I interrupted you, but the uh, you were starting to talk about the way pe people have told you that they feel you capture their essence. So how does that take place? So I, well, first of all, I'm, I really, um, I'm really interested in people. I'm curious about people and I, I feel, I, I feel like I'm sensitive to, um, I, this is going to, I'm just going to try this out. Okay. Yeah. I'm sensitive to the fact that people want to look good and maybe are afraid that they don't or can't on the, you know, in a picture or, or that they're not going to come across because many times they see pictures of themselves and they're like, I don't think I look like that or I don't feel like I look like that. And yeah. the word feel is, is like an important part of that sentence because I am striving to make pictures of people that not only do I feel represent them, but they feel represent them and, and that they feel represent them in the way that they want to see themselves. So, so in a way, I feel like my job is when say you come. And by the way, we do need to do a portrait of you one day. Uh, um, who me? Who you? Yeah, oh. you're, you hide behind the, the microphone, Mister. That's right. Well, but, I've got um, a face for radio. Yeah. You know. Okay. <laughs> I'd be glad so, to subject yeah. myself to a Liz Linder shoot. Yeah. Whatever. Okay. <laughs> we should do it. I think we'll okay. do it. So, um, but my my goal is to give somebody an image of the person that they see themselves as being. And sometimes it's the person that they want to be, like they're starting a new job or there's they're at a transition in their lives, they're starting a new project and they need to come across in a way that they haven't before. And so there's anxiety about that. And maybe, um, you know, it's, this is like, I also project all my own anxieties onto this, mm. right? So it's like, well, if I have to, you know, put myself out there in the world and show someone that I can do something that I'm not confident about, but I need to look confident. Like, yeah. I, God, I better get relaxed. Uh -huh. So, um, I enjoy people. I like kind of also messing with people a little uh -huh. bit. And, and the, um, I think I used to feel like I didn't have a lot of personal power, but when I held a camera, I did. Yeah. And now, you know, everyone, so many people have different relationships with the camera than, than 
they did when I was, you know, in my 20s and 30s. But there's still something I feel like, you know, you're talking to someone, they look beautiful, you pick up a camera and some like inner like coil just gets tweaked and they look the same, but there's something really off about mm. their energy and I'm sensitive to that. So just because there's a camera. Yeah, because there's yeah. it's like, oh, I'm gonna be seen and recorded and, and I can't undo it and someone else might see it. There's like a little ha ah, you yeah. know, I'm little in, internal like I don't know, anxiety. It just mm. makes like a body rigid and does kind of makes your face a little weird, you know. Right. It's like it's like um you know, I I never used to pay attention to like good hair days or bad hair <laughs> days, but but the difference is extraordinary yeah, <laughs> you know yeah um or at least in the way people feel and express themselves mm -hmm. so my goal let's just distill this my goal yeah. is to take a portrait where someone's actually expressing their true self and they look good and you know the angles and the lighting look good and the context context supports the story of who they are which mm -hmm. could be you know it could be a blank wall with shadow on it or it could be a you know a scene with um you know, with something that has to do with their career mm -hmm. could be anything. Mm -hmm. So now you've mentioned story just then, and you mentioned narrative earlier. So I'd love to ask about this, and maybe in the context of one of your personal projects, uh, like for example, trace memory. Maybe that one. Maybe another one of your choosing. Mm -hmm. But how? I'd love to hear you talk about how you focus on telling a story in a visual context um, with regard to one of your projects specifically. It'd be really cool to kind of root it like okay. that if you can okay. think of one. And also, can, can I just add something onto yeah. that last segment, which is that I like to make it fun because yeah. I need to have fun. Yes. And I find that people express themselves more when they are relaxed. And it's not like everything has to be, you know, fun. But, right. But the shoot often has elements of, you know, some kind of emotional arc. And and oftentimes it's fun. That just made so. me think of one thing I've seen you do specifically, which is you'll hold the camera and be looking at somebody through the camera, and then you'll kind of mo move your head. I'm going off mic now. You'll move your head, mm -hmm. and so they s see you look at them outside of looking through the viewfinder of the camera, and that's, I don't know, I find that really kind of fun. Is that a thing uh, that it, you purposely do sometimes? It's a thing. <laughs> it's a thing I do now that I don't have to do I, I learned to do it when I was, I had this kind of crappy summer job once doing pictures of students at camp. Right. Students at camp. No, campers at camp. There were, cam whatever. Guy who, right. had, he did school photography and, you know, it was really a shit job. Pardon mm -hmm. me. Can I say that on air? You can say that, It yes. was a shit job, people. Okay. But it was, <laughs> but it was great training to, in three to five pictures, because it was, we couldn't waste film. Mm. It was great training to make sure people didn't have their eyes closed when the shutter was going off. Now, yeah. that also meant sometimes that the frame was a little bit off, because I, I learned to, very quickly, to like keep the camera where it was, right. as I yeah. moved my head. But I noticed that people, when they saw my eyes, instead of the lens, they loosened up. Yeah. So that's, that turned into a, a thing. That, that thing. It's a thing. It's yeah. a, it, and it works really well. Are there other little things like that that you do? I'm sure there are, but I couldn't tell all okay. of them in this time. I yeah. was excited about the question you asked me earlier. So, all right, let's yeah. go back to that, okay. the storytelling narrative question. And, and you could place it in the context of a particular shoot, because then people could look at those pictures while we're talking about it. Or you could talk about it in a more general way, whatever makes more sense. I'm going to uh, talk about Trace Memory, because okay. it's a project I haven't thought about in a long time, yeah. and it's really close to me. And it was when I got out of and it's a film project. And it's documentary, and it took place over years. And, and by film, you mean you were you were using analog film? I just want to make that clear. You film. weren't shooting video or moving pictures. Yes, by film, yeah. I was using this thing called Kodak Tri X, which is a four hundred ISO, which used to be called ASA Speed Film. Exactly, I remember that. So and you, I developed it in D seventy six. 
No, I don't know what that Just means. Just so you, people know. <laughs> and we, anyway. And what we year used, was this? It was a while back. It was in okay. the 1990s. Okay. All right. And my grandmother, my maternal grandmother had, um, she had lost her memory to some degree and she was in a, a nursing home and, and I felt close to her but didn't know how to relate to her. Hmm. And I, um, I went, I'm actually kind of getting emotional thinking about it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would go and I would relate to her with my camera and I gave her all this attention mm-hmm. through my camera and she loved it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it was actually really nice for her. Well, and, and, Anyway, and, sorry, yeah. <laughs> pull it together, Linder. Well, so, and I was going to say something yeah. if it makes it any easier for you. Just one observation I had from those pictures and it, because it was your mom and her mom and sometimes your mom would be in the background of a picture yeah. and sometimes your mom would be in this very doting, caring Role, she'd be maybe pushing a wheelchair or something, and there, like to me, it's like each one of those is immediately a story that, in one image, that completely unfolds. And I understand that people, and I've met your mom, but it's not that I know her, but I, I could really feel her sense. So, um, did was that one of those situations where you just sh- you hung out and you shot and you shot and you shot or were you- I hung out and I would go and visit as often as I could when my it was a way to spend time with my mother and my grandmother who both of them I I loved and related to but didn't know how to talk to so mm-hmm. well so I would I it was you know it was like an accompaniment kind of a thing and I would give myself the task of shooting you know two to four rolls of film each each time I visited and it's interesting because I remember at that time I did not have a lot of feelings about what was going on. I knew in my head that I was upset, but I didn't feel it. And I knew one day I would feel it. I didn't, and I have felt it obviously since then, but I didn't expect to feel it with a microphone yeah. in front of me. Yeah. So, um, But it's very—it's a very emotional documentary. It's very, very personal. And it was before Alzheimer's was really, I wouldn't say popular. Like it's not a, you know, right. it's like every so many people are living through this now. And, you know, there's something about this passing of time and and um and family rhythms that yeah. um it's kind of intense and it's funny my mother looks a lot like her mother now mm. and i look a lot like she did mm-hmm. so there's it's very resonant um it was the first big real story that i think i told and i i i just let myself photograph everything i could i tried to you know do um i think i I was thinking a little bit like a filmmaker hmm. in a certain way, not in a complete way, but you know, it's like you want to take an establishing shot. Mm-hmm. No one taught me this. I just hmm. kind of figured it out. You want to take establishing shots and textures and What's an close-ups. establishing shot, just for anyone who doesn't know? It sort of gives you context of where something might happen or, mm-hmm. or like you'll see the room. You mm-hmm. won't just go right up onto the person's eyes. But an establishing shot, in my mind, could be, you know, the psychology and going into somebody's eyes. It's mm-hmm. like, you know, start somewhere and then build on that. But I, um, I, I pulled, you know, at the time, it, every few years I have different thoughts about a body of work, but I pulled a number of images that I felt were representative of, of what the relationships were and mm-hmm. what the, almost the politics were mm-hmm. around memory loss, because also she was in an institution mm-hmm. and we had to visit her and everything was labeled with her name so she wouldn't forget it. And, mm-hmm. You know, there's like the sense of like closeness and poignancy, and then there's this alienation of like, what are we doing with our old people? You know, like, mm-hmm. why are they like shoveled in homes? 
Yeah. But that's the social structure. We don't have, you know, it's not, our society doesn't support keeping them at home so much. Right. And by them, the word them, I mean like you and me and all of yep. us listening at yep. some point, hopefully we'll, we'll be, we'll hopefully be old. So, yeah. And, you know, cognizant and um, anyway. So, did, so let's have a party house. Let's have a party house. Um, you know. I'm oh, just where saying, we're all going to get yeah, old I'm together. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds great. Anyway. Yeah. Um, well, I made you a little weepy with that one, so yeah. maybe I'll shift to a different... Yeah, bring me up show. now. Change. Okay. <laughs> Thanks. So, one of your more recent projects uh, is so cool and fun. It's called We Talk in Pictures that you do with your friend Rich Griswold, and uh, I wonder if you could talk about that. It's like a visual call and response kind of a thing. So, how did that start? What is that? And, uh, you know, what is it now? So, uh, Rich Griswold I've known since I've you know, just barely after I graduated, a few years after I graduated college, I'd say I met him in the early 90s. And he was a friend of a college friend that's, you know, he's still a dear friend of both of ours. And mm. um, what I didn't know is that he studied photography in undergrad. I didn't know how, how great an eye he had. Mm. So when we got our first iPhones yeah. that had cameras in them, I started getting, I believe this happened, I'm just going to make this up because it, it happened organically, but right. as the story is going to go, I got pictures on my phone randomly from this friend of mine named Rich Griswold. No one else would send me a picture and not anything else. And so me being who I am, started to respond in a picture with nothing else. And soon it became a volley. You know, it's like, well, you saw that? Well, I saw this. Mm -hmm. And you're here? Well, I'm here. You know, like almost a... I think we're both slightly competitive, but um, but also very. He's also a very relatable person, so it's yeah. sort of engaging. I would say it's like there's like rules of engagement around this game that are really yeah. fun. You know, it's like, and and what we've started seeing develop over the years is a language that we use, and not just us, because now these smartphones are everybody's cameras, right? And oh. That's so interesting. Sirens. Siren. Yeah, we've That's got trains exciting. and sirens. I didn't get it that we were going <laughs> to hear sirens. Okay, anyway. So um, so we started developing a language that we started, you know, also seeing out in the world, mm. mostly in iPhone ads, you know. Um, oh. It's like, oh, where are you? My feet are here at the edge of a cliff, and here's this beautiful vista. You know, instead mm. of a how are you, it's a where am I, mm. or a what am I doing, or a what's for lunch. And yeah. um I'd say we noticed over time our work started to take on the things that are like creating anxiety mm. in each of our lives. Mm. And for me, a lot of that is, and I would say it seems for him too, at least the shared language, is this like age of surveillance and mm. everything's a screen and, you know, there's like a sense of isolation, but there's a sense of like, you know, sort of searching and... Mm -hmm. And um, the lot of these are, there's a sort of, we call it the inverted self, is it the inverted selfie or the inverted self-portrait where, you know, there's like a shadow or a reflection that has mm -hmm. a shadow and things are permeating through and, you know, every, sur like there's a lot of surfaces that aren't exactly real. It's like nature is plastic, mm -hmm. you know, and you know, there's like, they're, come, they're kind of, a lot of these are puns. They're kind of funny, yeah, but they're dark. Definitely. If you follow the thread, they're kind of like why is that animal plastic? I'm just making that up. But, you know, right. it's it's sort of like, is it real or is it not real? And it's mm -hmm. almost like, you know, 
this is the digital world. You just don't know. I mean, it, it's all about fake news, and right. you can't trust what you see anymore. Uh-huh. So there's a little bit of that infused in this. And like the it's it's the way you can see. I don't know if what we're seeing is always in sequence. Like this was the first picture, and this is the second picture. But it seems like there's always this, like you said, this response, and um, and sometimes they're not completely obvious right away. Like there's one where there's a hand reaching for a cupcake. And then in, I think it's a cupcake. Yeah. And in the next one, it's a hand reaching for a book in a series of books. Yeah. That one made me laugh out loud. And I'm not even sure why. I just thought oh, like the cupcake <laughs> compared to the book was just somehow hilarious. That and, was real time. I'm glad you liked really? that. I was, I was laughing as I took it. I thought, well, this is what I'm having for dessert. You so know? wait, which one was which? You took the cupcake or Rich well, took the cupcake? Well, if I told you. No, I... <laughs> If you look really closely yeah. at the forearms, you can probably yeah, figure it out. No, so the books, remember. the books were mine, but you okay. know, I had a shiny pink book, I think, in the mix, and oh. they were so they were my photo books, so they were like they were very tasty and sweet to me. Okay. So, um, yeah, there's there's definitely some some of them are in real time. I I think about this as a conversation, like it's a long term conversation. Yeah. Between friends, and you know, sometimes you circle back to themes, and it's like, mm. oh my god, remember that thing I was talking about last week? I wanted to let you know. Yeah. Dot dot dot. So. So what we do is we sit down and we look at our images together and we we pair them in the ways that we feel like they really belong together. Ah, okay. And it's almost like making a future, you know, portrait uh-huh. of the way like the mind or you know, our conversation is going to work. Interesting. So I wonder it did that has that editing process had an effect on how you have shot these things later on? You see certain things working? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, and, and it's funny because I'm talking about it now thinking in, in the way that I try to when I take portraits of people give them something to step into. Mm-hmm. I feel like our process is like that. It's like it gives us a new conversation to step into or it clarifies what it is. I'd say more clarifies yeah. like what it is that, you know, like the, sort of like the visual instinct is guiding mm-hmm. one of us into. Yeah. Cool. And yeah. there's been exhibits. This work's been exhibited in galleries with the two, the two of these pieces sitting side by side. And, and yeah. so definitely check them out um, on your website. There's and, also another yeah. website called we talk in yeah. which has got, you know, the work. I think the link on my site clicks to it too. Yes. But that's, pretty much where the work lives right now. Excellent. I'll include that as well. Uh, so I, there's so many of these we could, uh, I could ask you about. There's Moving Still. Everyone should check that one out. Beautiful photos of dancers. This one looks like it's... The, there's a picture right next to us that's on this wall that looks similar in style. I don't know if that's yeah. Moving Still. Yeah, that's on the side too. It's these... I don't know how to describe them. You have to look at these pictures. They're black and white and there's this murkiness to the figure sometimes that's so cool. Um, that, was, that was a collaboration I did with a dancer called Christine Bennett. Mm-hmm. That was her name. And she had a dance company called the Bennett Dance Company. And we did oh, a bunch yeah. of shows and got a lot of publicity. And it was, you know, again, it was like I was using film and, and photographing these figures very mm-hmm. abstractly. And then that led to, I started doing a lot of, this was an interesting project because this led to a lot of commercial work mm-hmm. where I would photograph these like hazy figures because maybe you don't want to give the person's identity they were very painterly and yeah. and then i started seeing a lot of people doing that and so then i got bored and moved on to something else oh all these people were influenced by you copied I your style i don't think so <laughs> i think it's more like you know photography was quote unquote invented on opposite yeah. sides of the world at mm. the same time it's i think that there are these ideas that kind of like 
bubble up in yeah. consciousness and people, you know, that's why you have trends. Yeah. Because it's not just like one person's idea, it's a many people's idea. But, you know, right. one person can claim it was yeah. their idea. And on this <laughs> podcast, I'll claim it was my idea. <laughs> um, it was my idea. Absolutely. It was just, see, there there it is. We're breaking news that uh, that concept <laughs> was Liz Linder's idea. Yeah. Um, and so there's many of these other projects I want to talk about, but I feel like um, we may not have time because I, there's a few other things I want to ask you about, but I at least want to mention, maybe we could mention a few of them, do like sure. a sort of rapid fire kind of a thing. Yeah. God Bless America was a series you shot right after 9-11 yeah. uh, when the planes flew into the buildings here in our country. And there were, I wonder if you could say a little bit about that because there's a couple of them right in the room. This one that says, America will not forget. And the word forget, the letters are falling and sideways and it just is like incredible how you it looks the like, act of forgetting yeah is right there so in the statement was did that one just sort of happen organically you started seeing these these are like the signs the kind of signs you see outside of like uh you know uh restaurants and you know in strip malls and things like yeah, that. yeah right? and you saw them more then because there's a there now they're leds oftentimes yeah. and they're programmable but I was, you know, in living in the piano factory at the time, and we yep. heard a lot of helicopters and like a lot of security stuff above the building after the planes hit. And the piano think, factory is this building in in the South End of Boston, by the way, for anyone who doesn't know that. Is yeah. that the, considered the South End? Yeah, it is. Yeah. It is the edge. But so you're hearing these. Anyway, I remember just it was. I felt so much anxiety and upset about. I'm sure, like so many other people did. And I wanted to do something. I'm like, what the mm -hmm. hell do you do? So I picked up my camera because that's what I did. Mm -hmm. And I went on these drives. Well, I noticed, I started noticing these signs. That was one of the first signs that I noticed really? where it was like, clearly there are these people who are taking the time to put messages up to the world around them. And I realized they're the kind of signs that a lot of immigrants yeah. have in front of their uh, storefronts. Yeah. And there was a lot of mixed messages, too, because there are signs for commercial stores. So, you know, there's signs, there's signs for commercialism, which is the very thing that was being attacked. Right. And, and a lot of the people who were putting the signs up, it, was, it seemed to me to be like, oh, my God, you know, don't bother, please, I'm, I'm with you, you know, God right. bless America. And some people just put them up because they felt it. I mean, it yeah. was a little bit of randomness going on. But there was a lot of irony to me that there was... In all of those, the collection of images, there was just a lot of um, uh, contradictions. Mm -hmm. And I love mm -hmm. contradictions. And yeah. I love putting like contradictions in one picture that you can look at. Like the American will not forget is easy. There's some funny ones in there too. God you know? bless America and cold beer. Yes. That's one that I remember. That, yeah. that one, by the way, has seen, um, that's been at least bought for sets in movies. Oh, I don't know right? if it's. It appears in all the movies, huh. but I, I know that it's been bought a few times. Or you mean your f photograph? The, yes, of yes, yes. People right? people resonate with that one. Wow, that one seems a little time. That one to me seems a little beyond nine eleven. Yeah, that's just like that's a right. beer lovers. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> that's just a plug for beer, but you know, yeah, it stands it alone, so that's yeah. good. Yeah. yeah, definitely. So we're in your studio, and you know, another thing besides your your work, your vision um, that I've admired is your ability to run this business. Um, mm. And and we've been talking about a lot of your personal projects and your artwork, and it's beautiful, and I, and I know you put a lot into that, but you you work very hard on on running this business. And maybe you could say a little bit about what your what actually your business is. Um, and But I'm also interested in just how you kind of pull this off, how you manage it and do your own thing. Um, because I feel like you do it in a smart way, in a way that's very authentic to who you are. I don't feel like you're um, doing 
anything except what you want to be doing, although you can tell me I'm wrong about that if you want to. But, but just generally, that's my observation that this business is an expression of who you are. You know, thanks. True. Thanks. Yeah, I mean, I love what I do, and I it, so running the business, boy, I could. That's like longer than we one. have time for. Yeah, but okay. but but the, I think the nutshell is. So what I do is I have. I used to work for myself, and I realized um, early on that if I didn't have a structure around what I did, I would be giving stuff away, and I would have no money, and then I couldn't live, and I might as well have been a lawyer. Mm. So, and this actually is kind of interesting because I um, I had. Um, I think I had a neighbor who was a musician who went to play at a festival in the Fenway, in like the fen, the, the garden, the, the fens. Uh-huh. In Mother's the fens. Rest in the Fenway, maybe? Maybe. It was okay. like early 1990s. Mm-hmm. And I just had a camera on me and she said, would you take pictures of me? So I didn't know that I should say no, only if you pay me at that time. Mm-hmm. So I just did. And there was this other, you'll remember this, there was the... There, there were some like great groups playing. There was a group called Random House of Soul. Do you remember? Oh them? Yeah. yeah. And I yeah. just happened to photograph them while I was there. And the mm-hmm. drummer was like looking over, like who's photographing me, you know, or us. And then we connected, and they ended up they were they were just signed or about to be signed mm-hmm. to something, and they ended up buying pictures. And they asked me what I would charge, and I was like, I'll get back to you on that. And that was mm-hmm. the smartest thing I said because then I did some research and I figured out what it might have cost and. Mm-hmm. I came up with a number and I got paid like reasonably well to photograph like something that was really fun. Mm-hmm. And I th- was like, oh, and maybe I'm onto something. So um, I I think um, I would describe myself as industrious mm-hmm. and resourceful. And you work your butt off. I or I'm very disciplined. I'm a hard. Yeah, it's like I I say it sometimes like I have no discipline and that I don't <sighs> don't go to the gym all the time. But mm-hmm. I I do have a, a big discipline around my work and mm-hmm. and I really enjoy it yeah. you know mostly um I've so I've grown my business slowly and very organically I you know I I've I've tried to position myself to do work that I enjoy doing and I talk about it with people probably a little passionately mm-hmm. or you know engagingly and so and I remember early on I Back in the day of Kinko's, you know, I, mm-hmm. I used to, like, anyone I was talking to who I felt like I had a connection with who said, oh, you're a photographer? I would hand them a card and I would take their address and I'd put them on a list. And then anytime I had a show, an art, you know, I would mail out something that I stayed up all night to work on and reproduce at Kinko's. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, basically, I've grown my business pretty, and, you know, organically, whenever it was slow, I would do things like build a portfolio or you know, refine whatever I would, I came up with the idea. I didn't come up with this idea. I've also worked ever since I started with people who, you know, said I'm a coach. So Mm. early on in the 1990s, before I, all these coaches were like dropping like flies from walls around us, you know. Is that like, a, you mean they were appearing before us? I don't know. I just feel I flies. feel like you turn around now and everybody's a coach. Everybody's it's a like, coach. what the hell oh, are you? I'm a coach. Are you a coach? No, I'm not no, a coach. Okay. <laughs> I, I'm a coach. No, <laughs> you are a coach. <laughs> I, uh, I think of myself as a mentor. But um, so back then, there weren't a whole then, lot of coaches. No, I, but I remember running into this woman. I just had no idea how to start my business. And she was like, I'm a coach. And I said, okay. So I hired her for $60 an hour, whatever mm-hmm. it was, which felt like a huge stretch at yep, the time. Probably and, a lot more than that now. Yeah. And she told me some things that I could do that would help, you know, mm-hmm. organize. It's like I, if without some kind of um, structure, I get like my brain goes off in like five directions yeah. at once. So she helped me learn that, 
um, maybe it's a good idea to put together a price list every so often mm-hmm. and refine it. And how do you do it? You look at what people are charging. I didn't know any of that. Mm-hmm. I went to liberal arts college, yeah, which was great, but I didn't learn the basics of business. Right. So any any when I realized that I had a business, like at a certain point, I realized this is how I'm paying my rent, and I have a business. And then I, you know, maybe started paying an assistant. I I got more serious about the structure of the business and. Whenever the stakes get higher, like I bought a house, mm-hmm. and I then I had a mortgage, I was like, oh, I better get more serious about my business, right. the business of what I do. So, you know, for me, business is like, how do you value what it is you produce, and how does someone else value it? Because if they value it, they'll use it in a way that inspires them to come back mm. for more, or, you know, their colleagues will want what they got. So what is the mix of work that you're doing now, Liz Linder? What, is it called Liz Linder Photography? It's called Liz Linder Photography I because that, but... I have a love of photography still, <laughs> you know? Right. So um, the mix that I do, it's uh, I, I do still mostly do portraits. I still do p- portraits of musicians, and I love it. And, yeah. I, you know, now it's like, I call it artist. It's sort of expanded, like, people who are creative. Mm-hmm. Um, more musicians, some writers I'm doing, you know, author portraits, Um Educators, I, so many, you know, professors, teachers, uh, thought leaders, business, mm-hmm. you know, heads, executive portraits, um, you, like uh, CEOs, CMOs, CFOs, <laughs> COOs. <laughs> yeah, all the so, O's. A question so, there. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't know. But the mix, the mix of work, I tend to work in the industry now of education. And um, biotech, mm. a little bit of, uh, you know, finance is, is mixing in there and um, pharmaceutical. Mm-hmm. And and I also, in, you know, in, a little bit in the food industry. Mm-hmm. It's like, I, I remember at one point I wanted to work with architects and then, oh, we had that crash. And I was doing mm. a lot of work with architectural firms. And then we had this the crash of, you know, the markets. 08, and, yep, yeah. yep. And um, that, so a lot of those clients just disappeared. Yeah. Um, and you know some of them have come back now, mm-hmm. but I've, I'm trying to keep it a little bit diverse in areas that I'm interested in. And you know, like I, at higher ed, I love because mm-hmm. I go in a class and I feel like I'm getting something that I would get if I was going to school. Mm-hmm. But instead, yeah. I'm getting paid for it, so it's you know not bad. And I don't have to do that kind of homework. So, so. As, <laughs> right. So as far as the portraits go, um, when you're shooting a musician versus a writer versus a um, CEO, are there different ways you approach those? Are, are you know, do the do the does the work that those people do require you to interact in a different way to get what you need and what they need in a shoot? Yeah, well, so creative people usually have a concept that they're well. So yes, there are certain things that are similar and certain things that are different. And when I say creative people, I mean who's to say a CEO mm. isn't creative? Like yeah. you better be creative to be in that position. Yeah. So. Um, the people that I'm working with, I'm usually doing an intake with and asking them certain questions and getting them to, you know, kind of dig into themselves a little bit. Um, Does that happen right before the shoot, the day of the shoot? It's some, so, like, um, you know, a, an executive is usually somebody else hired me to mm-hmm. photograph them. Mm-hmm. So I don't have contact with them necessarily beforehand unless I know them. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so that'll happen, you know. That's before the shoot, 15 minutes before the shoot. Sometimes we have like, you know, hair and makeup and, mm-hmm. or like, we'll call it like grooming for men or, st- you know, <laughs> right. and so, or if, so sometimes it happens when they're getting ready and sometimes it happens just, you know, before the, sh- so I'm working it out during sometimes, okay. but, 
But with an artist or an author, I'm trying to get a sense of what they've produced, what they've done. Um, beforehand, I'm, they're usually in contact with me or their management is in mm -hmm. contact with me and they're going for something specific. So, um, so the questions are a little bit different. And, mm -hmm. you know, depending on how involved people want to get, I have them send me images that are reference shots mm -hmm. that they like. And, you know, it's like they can give me adjectives and between the words and the pictures they give mm -hmm. me, I usually have a good idea of what to do. So interesting that you know it, 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 somebody who looks at these images might not think about all that goes into making them, all the, all the preparation before that you just talked about, all the editing afterwards. You talked about the challenge of that. I'm wondering what advice you would have for somebody who is thinking about getting into this field. Some other, you know, person who's at a liberal arts college perhaps right now and studying photography. Uh, what are their prospects? What do they need to know? What are the qualities they need to develop to actually make this into a business or into a, you know, into a pursuit in general? Or a vocation. Vocation, yeah. Um, that's a good question. These, it's, you know, that answer would change over time. Is someone starting out that wanted my advice, mm -hmm. I would say, first of all, you really have to work. Mm -hmm. Like, there's a lot of, I think that, you know, you have to have some discipline around what it is that you're doing and ask yourself some good questions about why you're doing it. It's, to me, it seems very, um, there are so many people out there who are in this field now. Like, what is it that you really want to contribute? Mm -hmm. And what is it that you are able to contribute? Like, what is your skill set? And, what, um, like, why are you, why would you want to do it professionally would be one question. Mm. Why would you want to? Because um, is if it's to, you know, it used to be, it, it used to be seen as a way to make good money as an artist quickly, but I'm not so sure that that's the way it works anymore. Mm. Um, it's a wonderful profession. Like, you can... You know, I have a camera and I have access to all these different places that I would never have access to, mm -hmm. you know, from the operating room to like a board meeting with some really, you know, interesting minds uh -huh. to, you know, the kitchen of some chef that's, mm -hmm. you know, experimenting in some way. But, um, you know, to a hospital, to an operating room, I've been in the OR, don't, you know, plug the lights into the... Oh, wow. You know, yeah, don't want to like, knock out the anesthesiology exactly. machine. Yeah, don't touch anything blue. <laughs> but, <laughs> right. um, but um, yeah, I would say find a mentor and mm -hmm. find actually a few mentors. Find, find people who are actually doing it, mm -hmm. who are making a living. Well, um, you know, not everybody needs to make a living. So yeah. my advice would be different depending on what the person wanted to do. But, right. but I would say, you know, build a body of work get outside eyes on things get per so when i say outside eyes i mean get perspective on what it is you're doing mm -hmm. find find a few people like you were one of my outside eyes rob mm -hmm. hoschel when That's i was right. starting out you would give me your feedback on websites and it's true anybody you know yeah so yeah get get a get a team of people that mm -hmm. you can go to and and talk to i would say especially talk to other photographers who are selling their images or their you know their work mm -hmm. for for money because um, a lot of people now starting out give it away and what they don't fully understand is when you start doing that you are eroding mm -hmm. the very profession that you want to be able to make money in yeah. one of the things I find really nice in this life is to be valued with money for creative work because that means I can put a roof over my head and mm -hmm. support myself and actually support like a couple of people working on a team it's like it's kind of there's a, a bit of a thrill to that yeah 
but I do plenty of things for no money. But when there's when there's value to mm-hmm. it, if I'm getting value out of it, I will do it. And that means sometimes, but you have to quantify that, you yeah. know, because there's running a business is also about managing expectations mm-hmm. and and creating value. So it's like I'm going to give this to you this time because I'm getting something out of it right. for me, or I'm going to ask you for something that's non-monetary. But this is typically what it should cost. And there's also, it's like, how the hell do you know what any of your work should cost? Well, that's a lot of research and mm-hmm. asking around, finding colleagues, getting a sense, then, you know, checking in with your gut and mm-hmm. and writing down a price sheet and seeing what the market will bear and yeah. all these things. So There you go. Yeah. That's some good practical advice for photographers and everybody. Um, <laughs> we're almost out of time, um, but I want to ask about the future and well, and invite you to say anything else you, that might be on your mind that we haven't talked about. But, uh, but one thing I just wanted to sort of ask what's ahead. Is there a project in particular you're excited about or anything else in the future that you're looking forward to in, in your work? God, well, so what's ahead for me is I want to do something. I want to do something where I talk more about pictures. Mm, I think that's really interesting. Maybe, you know, it's like, is, is a podcast what a talk show about pictures would be now? Quite it's, it's certainly one of them, right? Yeah, or so, f- some sort of film, I suppose. But yeah, yeah. So I, I there's because I I've loved language and I love words. Hence, the, like the interest, early interest in law, mm-hmm. and I love visuals. And I and I've I want to keep making portraits and you know running my business, but I want to add a layer of more you know art direction and sort of exploring the ideas underneath what it is that I'm doing. If I mm. could like put some structure around the way I think about things, would be mm. really interesting. Love it. Yeah, so. I think it, I think there's a lot of potential there. And I think mixing different forms of media is so interesting these days. In fact, one thing I've been experimenting with, I've been thinking about doing as a follow-up for this podcast is maybe, with your permission, using one of your images and having some of the audio from this conversation be sort of playing while the images sit in front of that would be fun. the viewer. Yeah, so we'll talk like, about yeah, that. Yeah, that'd be interesting. Yeah, there's this program I've used called Headliner, or it's a it's a browser-based platform that's really cool for that so i'll show you yeah sounds good anything else we haven't talked about oh, so many things but <laughs> you know it's such a short time on the podcast I know. <laughs> so well was, yeah this was wonderful thanks rob it's thank been you, also Liz. really fun to watch your podcast grow and i say watch because i'm visual but i mean listen right. to your podcast grow and develop and um i love I've loved your guests. Many of your guests have like really sparked my imagination. And cool, thank yeah. you. It's been really fun. It's just fun hanging out with smart people doing good work. And you know, I can't think of a better thing to do with my time. And this has been a good way to spend my time hanging out with you. So thanks again, Liz Lender. Oh, thanks, Rob. Well, I really enjoyed that conversation. Hope you did too. Learn more at LizLinder.com, L-I-Z-L-I-N-D-E-R.com. You can find photography from all of the projects we discussed in this episode. And we'll keep you up to date as Liz explores getting into new media, perhaps, maybe even podcasting. Can't wait to find out. This episode was edited and mixed by Isaac Kotecki. Matt Jensen composed and recorded the theme music. Subscribe to the Media Narrative Podcast and newsletter at themedianarrative.com. I'm Rob Hoschel. Thank you so much for listening.